Welcome everyone to the first episode of the Tennis Section podcast. We're very excited to get things going here. You know, we've been discussing a podcast for a while now and, you know, the Instagram has been growing great, greatly recently. So, um, yeah, we just decided, you know what, well, it's time to create something for us to engage more with our fans and answer some of your questions and discuss the hot topics in tennis at the moment. But um, to get things started, my name's Liam and I'm one of the founders of Tennis Section. I've enjoyed tennis for longer than I can remember and always trying to get on court when I can and trying to travel to tournaments as much as possible. Um, I'm also joined today by my co-host, Andrew. Hi, hi guys. Um, as Liam said, my name is Andrew. Um, fellow tennis player as well as Liam. Been playing all my life. I'm actually a coach right now um, from Barbados in the Caribbean, which is not known as a huge tennis nation, you know, but trying to put it on the map and... As Liam said, we're very excited to be here for the first episode of the Tennis Section podcast. Oh, great. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, no, I've, I've been out to Barbados to play with Andrew and uh, yeah, he, he kicked my ass he, just, just in the practice, <laughs> just in the practice, let alone when I actually played against the fans. Um, it, it, it wasn't as bad as he's making it seem, but it is true. Uh, all right. Yeah, listen, <laughs> listen the, the, the height of the ball was just too much for me to handle. Okay. Uh, let's get into the show, but. Remember, guys, to stick around to the end of the podcast because we will definitely be answering some of the questions that you sent into our Instagram. It's been it's been a, a great few weeks in the world of tennis, um, especially like the clay court season has been incredible so far. Um, unless you're a Nadal fan, but uh, so very true. I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit in the mud at the moment. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, yesterday the uh, Roland Garros draw came out, so everyone's discussing you know who they think their their pick is for Roland Garros, what the draw looks like, who is actually going to make it far enough where they exceed expectations or they don't actually reach the expectations that they, they have upon themselves. Um, but yeah, no. So Andrew, just, just the first question, like having looked at the draw, what, what do you think stands out to you like the most at the moment? Uh, well, Liam, it's difficult to, to, to say, you know, um, usually Roland Garris is pretty straightforward to predict and to know what's happening. You know, it's normally Djokovic, Nadal, Sitsipas maybe and, the rest come after you know but this oh, season is tm as well sorry. usually <laughs> true oh yeah well true easy to forget about him these days <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah um this year is definitely the most open that i've seen in a while you know we've got joe kudovic and nadal in the same quarter which is pretty shocking you know we've got and neither of them have been having great seasons especially recently um we've got alcaraz coming up um zverev struggling you know, Sitsipas mm. has, has been doing Sitsipas things this year as well, especially on the clay. Um, but to be honest, it's the first time in recent memory that we're going in without a clear-cut favorite. So that's my biggest takeaway from the draw. Yeah, com completely agree with you with that. I think already last year was sort of a shock when we had Nadal and Djokovic in the same half of the draw, let alone the same quarter nowadays. Um, I think last week would have been... Oh, couple of weeks ago actually would have been very vital for Nadal to sort of get himself far enough in Rome where as long as he would have finished above Tsitsipas he would have been you know seeded fourth so he would have been in the bottom half of the draw but obviously as we saw when he lost to Shapovalov the, the foot injury started getting getting back into the discussion again so yeah unfortunately for him he's he's in the quarter where Djokovic is um, but yeah, no, I think the most standout thing to me at the moment is just the opportunity in the bottom half of the draw. Um, realistically, we know that whoever wins the top half of the draw is most likely going to be the champion, I would say. 
Agreed. I don't, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything. Obviously, like in a couple of weeks' time, we might be doing this podcast, and everyone's saying like, "Oh, Liam, you got this completely wrong," <laughs> you know. But personally, I think whoever wins the top half of the draw is going to be the champion. Um, but it doesn't stop the second, the bottom half of the draw from having a great opportunity to, you know, gain some points, ra- raise their rankings, and you know, even get a shot at the title if they wanted to. Agreed. And while I agree with you. Um, you know, it's perfect opportunity for someone like Sitsipas. You know, he sh- if everything goes to plan and his preparation has been pretty good, if everything goes to plan, he should have a pretty smooth passage to the final down in the bottom half. You know, so we do run the risk of Nadal and Djokovic wearing each other out in the quarters. You know, yeah. potentially meeting Alcaraz, who's the hottest guy in world tennis right now in the semis for another marathon match. You know, so will those guys have anything left? in a final against Sitsipas, who's pushed them pretty closely, not necessarily in a slam, you mm-hmm. know, but if, if Sitsipas is twice as fresh as them, as them, you know, I still, still agree with you that top half winner is likely to be the champion, but it may not be as clear cut as we think, or as we're used to. Yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 I think it's obviously not as straightforward as perhaps you would say three years ago or so. Agreed. Um, when you looked at the draw, you were like, okay, it's either going to be Nadal, Djokovic, or team. Um, Definitely. This this year you have Nadal, Djokovic, Alcaraz, Sitsipas, and there could be a dark horse in there somehow. Um, okay. Since since you mentioned team, I'm just going to pull up who he has to play. It's pretty interesting. I know he's been struggling, so he's not a serious contender this year as he normally yeah, is. Yeah, I, um, I, I, he's got I, a toughish draw. He's playing Delian, the Bolivian guy in the first round, which is a yeah. tough match on clay. Yeah, catching off second round, which is which is maybe winnable, you know. But other than that, uh, Nori I, next, which mm. is is pretty pretty. If I don't see him getting through that round, I mean, normally that would be smooth sailing for him. But yeah, how it's been if, this, if this year? Was, it's a shame, really. If this was 2020, smooth sailing for team, you know. Yeah, to the, the it, final it, probably. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Yeah. But De- Delian has yeah. been quite good this year. Um, we exactly. saw even a, a few weeks ago when he played, I, think, I can't remember what tournament it was. It might have been either Monte Carlo or um, Madrid. It might have been Madrid, actually, where he played, you know, Hubert Hercax and he, he pushed Hercax to the limit. No, um, he's, he's one of those guys who's never going to get too deep in a slam, but you always want to avoid in the first round or two. Exactly. Especially on, especially exactly. on the clay. You know, he's a very yeah. solid top 100 player. Yeah, he likes that extra bit of time behind the ball, which the clay yeah. allows him to get. Um, but yeah, so I think team, unfortunately, you know, he he lost to Marco Cecchinato just last, well, this week. Yeah, um, exactly. That that would have been his most winnable match so far since his, since his comeback. So if he can't do that, you know, it's it's hard yeah. to see him go anywhere this year in, in, in Paris, unfortunately. Agreed. But, I'm not um, sure what's going on. Sorry, I'm not sure no, what's no, go going on. on with him. I mean, I don't know if it's still lingering effects from the injury or if it's just more mental at this point probably a bit of both but yeah hope, hoping I, he gets back to his best because it's really a shame to see him where he is right now outside the top 150 hardly able to win a match you know so he he needs to be back on top pushing these guys you know yeah i think i think a wrist injury is always a weird one because you know it it, it is healed but you never you, you know how easy it is to have it again um, and it's have, having uh, the confidence to play through it as well, you know, exactly, coming, coming exactly. off of such an injury. So, but his yeah. back, his backhand has been looking very solid. I, I'm looking at yeah. some of his matches. His backhand has been looking improving. It's just the forehand side. He doesn't get enough. Yeah. Doesn't get enough depth behind it. I think he's he's added a bit of height to his forehand. 
Um, yeah. It looks like he's adding more spin to it rather than, you know, it used to have some spin, but also used to be a bit flat at times. Agreed. Um, yeah. But now he's adding more spin. So I think that might be an aspect where he's trying to just change his game a bit. Maybe mentally he doesn't want yeah. to try and hurt his wrist again. Um, it can't it can be easy for him struggling like this, you know, after being one of the top two, three players in the world for so long. And, you know, now you can hardly win a match at the challenger level. Yeah. So exactly. I, I think he, hopefully he gets over the mental hump soon and is able to to push these guys again. Yeah, well, I'll be going to, to the US Open this year, the first week. Um, and I believe I read somewhere that team's hoping to be at his best by the US Open. So it'll be interesting okay. to, to see if, if that's actually true. And if it is true, I'll, I'll be interested to see like firsthand how it looks um, and how he, how he looks on court because Absolutely. You know, we, we always say he's a clay quarter and, you know, team, the best chances for him to win a Grand Slam have always come at Roland Garros. Um, yeah. But when you actually look at the chances, he, the closest he's ever been to winning a slam have been at the Australian Open when he was two sets to one up against Djokovic and had a break point in the fourth set. And... Yeah when he won the US Open, beating Zverev in five sets. And, he, and he's never really had a chance to defend that title. So, I mean, it, if he's back to his best, you know, we can look at it as that's a potential storyline, you know, back for the first time at full strength to the US Open. Again, with, with Djokovic struggling and Nadal and those guys, you know, no clear favorite even for the US Open. So don't think he'll be ready to win it yet. But, I mean, hopefully that's a tournament where he breaks back into the the upper echelons of, of tennis, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Andrew, like, one other thing I noticed when looking at the draw was, obviously, Alcaraz, he's got a great path to get to the, you know, quarterfinals, minimum, semifinals, most likely. Um, and when looking at last year's draw, I noticed Alcaraz only reached, like, the third round when he lost to Jan-Lander Struff. So he's got a huge potential to gain even more points this year. And he, being so close in points to Nadal, he can definitely make the top five, even if he gets to the semifinals and Nadal maybe gets out at the quarterfinal stage. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to know what to expect um, of him in this tournament. You know, he comes in as a red hot favorite. I've seen, seen him as the betting favorite in a lot of places, hmm. you know, but you have to wonder if it's going to be too much pressure for him. You know, he's always been touted as the next big thing over the past two years and, and so on. And, He's delivered this year, obviously, you know, with the two Masters titles in Miami and Madrid. But, you know, you have to imagine that it's a different level of pressure here at, a, at Roland Garros, you know, and I don't know if it's going to be too much for him. He's handled it amazingly well so far. But as you said, I don't see anyone pushing him really until the quarters with a potential matchup with Zverev, mm -hmm. who has not been himself lately as well. So, yeah, things are shipping up very nicely. And as you said, even if he were to somehow shockingly go out before the semis, um, you know, still the potential to increase his ranking and pass Nadal, which is huge. But yeah, I, I do, I do think, yeah, I do think the only thing stopping him here is, is the mental pressure, you know, of being the favorite, even certainly over Zverev. I, I, and that's another person that lets the mental pressure get to him very often in slams, you know, so, you know, he's, he's my pick for the, for the title, but, difficult path from quarters onwards in my opinion yeah I, I think you can always say that with a young guy when when city pass came into the mix when zverev came into the mix we always saying like oh grand slam champion within the next couple of years you know but Absolutely. when they came when it came to the big stage they both got to two sets up against you know 
well, Tsitsipas against Djokovic and, you know, Zverev against team, but eventually lost. So yeah. the mental pressure is there, even if you are at that time the greatest player in the world, maybe not ranking wise. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling about Alcaraz is he's just a bit different, you know. Agreed. I think in, in the in in the years of watching tennis, there's n- there's not been a young player that I've looked at and I've almost been guaranteed in my mind that that's going to be a Grand Slam champion sooner rather than later. Um, the, Agreed, and we and we haven't seen any instances of the pressure getting to him either. Even in the yeah. matches that he's played, you know, he seems like a, a 15 year veteran. You know, yeah, he, exactly. He, ca- he carries himself so well. He's always positive on the court, and he doesn't let the pressure get to him like a like a younger Zverev and Sitsipas did as well. Mm. They'd ha- they'd have some huge wins like like Alcaraz does, but then they'd have some shocking losses as well, as expected for a teenager, right? But that's not the case here. So, you know, it's, it's as I said, difficult to tell. It's also difficult to know what to expect over five sets against Novak or Rafa. You know, while they yeah. haven't had ideal years, and well. Rafa's had a good year, but he hasn't had ideal preparation for this event. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still tough to bet against him at Roland Garros over five sets. So very interesting to see. And Djokovic comes in as the informed player on the tour. You know, oh, so hundred percent, hundred percent. So he's 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 running into two potential steamrollers here. But if there's one one person that can handle it at the moment is him. No one else really. I I can see doing that. Yeah, I I think to your, to the point you mentioned. Over five sets, it's going to be extremely tough, both mentally and, you know, he, he is young, you know, but when it comes to a five set match, can he go for six hours at the top of his game against the Djokovic, against the Nadal? I'm sure Agreed. he can do that against the Zverev. You know, if it Agreed. gets to the if it gets to the quarterfinal stage, I, I have 100% confidence that he will beat Zverev. Um, yeah, but it's it's what happens when he meets the big, big guys. But one thing I've been very happy to see, I would say, from Alcaraz is, you know, when when he's actually been on the ropes in matches, when he's faced break points, when he's faced tough moments, he's not been afraid of taking control of the match. He's not been afraid of coming in, Agreed. trying to finish the point early. That's the sort of mentality that I haven't seen from a young guy. Um, and that's the recipe to beat those two big guys, right? Nadal and Djokovic. Yeah. You, you've got to take charge and you've got to be fearless and go for it. You know, you're not going yeah. to win the match by staying back and waiting for them to miss. You no, know, exactly, so I, exactly. I haven't seen anyone else play against them fearlessly, you know. And the most impressive thing I've seen from him is when he beat them back to back a few weeks ago. You oh, know, yeah. I, I as much as I'm an Alcaraz fan, I would have never expected that in a million years, you know, to be yeah. able to mentally focus for so long over two days, over five six hours you know so he's shown that he can do it um he he looks physically ready to do it but again we haven't seen him play over five sets at that level be, uh, ever you know so it's and, it's all and, that coaching you did to him man you know you, you what that what that one summer <laughs> you spent with him coaching him you know it yeah, made all yeah, the difference yeah. so I'll, I'll i'll take some of the credit so, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully he remembers and tosses a few dollars my way if he wins <laughs> very very you, wishful thinking you'll, you'll take a 10 percent cut you know just be the, the, the agent I'll, fee I'll take five. I won't even oh, okay. agree. I'll take okay. five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take five of the, the $2 million check or, or whatever it is this year. <laughs> what, what a nice guy, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. 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 I try. <laughs> uh, I, that, yeah. I think Alcaraz is definitely, personally, my view is there's, there's what I want and there's what I think. I think Alcaraz will win the title. I want Nadal to win the title. Right. I think it's, I think, 
Alcaraz has still a lot of time. Obviously, he's, he's what, 19 years old. Um, yeah. I think the clock you can see is ticking for Nadal now. Um, yeah. Every every few months, he, he physically, he he's getting worse and worse just because of that foot. Um, so I think it's time for Nadal to make the most of it, of trying to get as many Grand Slams as he can um, because he won't be around too much longer. Um, if this if this foot just continues hurting him, it's not going to be enjoyable for him. And I think he's the type of guy who's not going to just play the sport and hurt his daily life every day. He he very much yeah, enjoys he likes enjoys his life. He likes to you know. I agree with that. Yeah. Mentally, be solely focused on tennis. Um, yeah. Especially at his age now. Um, right. But yeah. Um, other so, than Alcaraz, that, so Alcaraz is your pick for the title then. Yeah. Yeah, I'd okay, say so. And- and quick, quick question for you. Who do you see coming through that quarterfinal? You know, the quarterfinal we all want to see with, with Djokovic and Nadal. Who do you if, think get okay. the upper hand there and why? Okay, so if, if if in the matches beforehand, I don't see anything to do with Nadal's and, foot. And this is, my question is looking for an answer, thinking with your brain, not your heart, because your heart is yeah. going to tell you yeah. Rafa and, and going all the way, you know, and, and yeah, mind you. Exactly, exactly. I, yeah. I think I was a turnaround in the in the Australian Open final. The first two sets, I wasn't wearing my Nadal shirts. Yeah. I put it on in the third set and then he started winning. But uh, <laughs> get, getting back to your question, I think if Nadal looks fine until the round of 16 uh, and we don't hear anything about the foot, he doesn't look in pain, I, I will go with Nadal. I think if he's physically ready with that foot, he's winning. Right. Um, but and this is this is both matches, or just 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 the quarterfinal. Uh, this is the quarterfinal of Djokovic. But okay. I think if you if he can win that, he will beat Alcaraz because over okay. five sets, it's a different beast. You know. Right. Okay. Um, but I think if we do see some issues with the foot, then Djokovic will will take that match just as he did last year against Nadal yeah. and the foot injury. Um, yeah. But. I think Nadal and Alcaraz as a semi-final, Nadal was most likely to come through it just because right. of the pressure that will be on Alcaraz in that moment. You're not just playing a big free member in a semi-final of a Grand Slam. You're playing Rafa Nadal, the 13-time champion in the court where he won the 13 titles, you know? Yeah. Not to mention you're a role model growing up. And, exactly. You know, being Spanish as well. You know, Exactly. So there's, there's, that, yeah. that, there's that sort of pressure. If you're playing Djokovic, obviously you're playing a 20-time Grand Slam champion but you've beaten him. You're one nil up against him, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I have similar thoughts to you, but they're different in some respects. I, I would like Nadal to win the title. You know, I'm a, a big Nadal fan, but mm-hmm. unfortunately this year, I see him as being the clear number three um, out of those three mm-hmm. guys that we just mentioned, Djokovic, Alcaraz, and, and himself. You know, I, I do agree with you that if he looks fine coming through the first few rounds, and I do think that's a huge if. You know, I mean, he, he really didn't look great against Shapovalov the other day and hasn't had ideal preparation for this event as he normally does. Mm. You know, I, I do think that if he somehow manages to get past Djokovic, I, I don't think he'll have enough left in the tank to, to beat Alcaraz. You know, I mean, mentally, it's a, it's a huge um, advantage. You know, it's a big bonus of the pressure that Alcaraz is going to face, but just physically, I think that's too much. I don't see him getting through two potential back-to-back five setters, you know, at that level, you know, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't be shocked if he were to go earlier than that. I don't, I don't see anyone that really has that potential, you know, on paper, at least, you know, but the only person who could actually, I think push him would have been Schwartzman, but he's in the 
eighth of the tw- eighth of the draw where Djokovic yeah. is. So I mean, he Felix potentially, but I mean, you never know with him either. Yeah, you know? yeah can, exactly. can can he get can he get there? You know, <laughs> I think I think, men- I think mentally Felix can't. Yeah, ag- agreed. I agree with that. So I, I think yeah, you, we we saw already how he wasn't able to do it mentally against Medvedev. Think yeah. about it in a context of King of Clay at Roland Garros, five sets. It's it's hard to see that happening. Um, yeah, agreed. But I don't see Nadal going out before the quarterfinals. I think unless second... it's injury related. I mean, there's no chance of oh, that yeah. happening yeah. other than yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, not hundred exactly. percent. And I think he'd have to be under ninety percent to to have a chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, but I do. I, I said earlier that Alcaraz is my favorite, but I mean, I think I may have to backtrack on that. I I, I think I'm going to put it as as even between him and Djokovic. Okay. You know, Djokovic has had his struggles this year, and I'm I'm not the biggest fan, as you know. You know, but I mean, he he looked fantastic in Rome. You know, he's confident. You know, even more confident knowing that Rafa is struggling. You know, and and in his mind, Alcaraz is still a little kid. You know, even <laughs> though he beat him, even though he beat him the other day. You know, Djokovic is. A different beast at these slams you know so i think he's he's fully focused on the nadal match but so I, I do think it'll be very difficult to stop djokovic you know given his form and given his confidence and with the nadal injury and potential alcaraz you know pressure mounting so hard to bet against him i heart is saying nadal heart slash brain is saying alcaraz but overall i think djokovic should be the slight favorite for the title yeah, I, I should think, be considered I think it. The great, the great thing about this year is that all cards are on the table. You know, there's there's no sort of clear cut answer, which is what makes tennis great this year. I think yeah, everyone one agree. Go ahead. Everyone, everyone, you know, always likes to think this is what's going to happen, but this year it's actually impossible to say. No one would have thought Nadal would have won the Australian Open. No one would have seen Djokovic winning Rome just a few weeks before Rome. You know. Um, no one would have seen Nadal's foot injury coming back up again. No one would have seen Alcaraz being where he is from the start of the year to now. There's so, many, there's so many Agreed. different things this year that no one would have expected, but are happening. Um, but, you know, let, let's not focus too, too much on the top half of the draw. Obviously, you know, yeah. we, have to, we have to show some love to the bottom half. Yeah, well, I was um, just going to say that the person who's enjoying all this uncertainty the most must be Sitsipas. you know, like he, oh, yeah. he's enjoying all this. You know, everyone doesn't know who's going to win and everyone doesn't know if Nadal can get through physically. Is What's Djokovic's state like? You know, can Alcaraz handle the pressure? You know, so he, in his mind, you know, he should have a pretty smooth sailing to the final. And he is a pretty confident guy. So I'm sure he's expecting to reach that final to play yeah. either to play either a 19-year-old, you know, <laughs> making their debut at a Grand Slam final or a potentially exhausted former world number one or, or world number one. In the Dalin Djokovic, you know, so he, he has to like ones, yes. exactly. Yeah. So he has to be enjoying this for sure. If, if there ever was a chance for him to break through and win a slam, I think this is the year and yeah. this is the tournament. I, I think, I think for Tsitsipas, this is the best draw he could have hoped for because I don't see him going out before um, the semifinals. Uh, he's, he's meeting Rude potentially in the quarterfinals. Uh, and we've seen Casper Ruud's season so far. Ka- Ka- he's, he's doing well in Geneva at the moment, reaching the semifinals yep. and probably playing that match as we speak where he might reach the final and win the title. But then you have to think about fatigue. How much fatigue will he have trying to play three weeks in a row at his highest level? Yeah. Um, and then if he does, if obviously, you know, if he does win that match against Ruud, who's he most likely going to meet in the bottom half, uh, in the bottom quarter? Is it going to be Medvedev? Is it going to be Rublev? 
a dark yeah. horse perhaps you know I, I i think there's there's a few dark horses in that bottom quarter of the draw but i think anyone who gets there i, d- I don't think can beat sitsipas at the moment no no way i agree with that you know and i don't know what to make of that bottom quarter to be honest with you you know um ranking wise medvedev is is in the lead but i think there's almost no chance he gets that far you know there's Karina Busta, you know, there's there's Sinner, a personal favorite of mine. Um, there's, <laughs> you know, there's Rublev, but I don't know. I don't think any of those guys that we just mentioned has what it takes to beat Tsitsipas, and certainly not on this stage in over five sets. I, I think, yeah. you know, that's even less likely, I think, than Nadal losing before the quarters. And there are question marks around that as well. You know, yeah, so, exactly. but, but one thing is almost certain is Tsitsipas should be in the final. I think that's our easiest call if we had to, to pick a, a finalist. Oh, and, and, and he, as you said, he will be meeting a question mark. No matter who he meets, it would be Djokovic, potentially exhausted, Nadal, injured slash exhausted, or Alcaraz, who knows? You know, I, so I think... he, he will be sitting pretty, I think. But I don't know if it's enough to, to get him the title, you know, but he, a lot of things are looking up for him, to be honest, this season and yeah, this tournament. I, I think um, Tsitsipas will be hoping that he meets if he gets to the final, he meets either a Nadal or an Alcaraz there, you know? Agreed. Because, I, yeah. uh, because if he meets Djokovic, just watching him, you know, a couple of weeks ago in the final in Rome, he just wasn't there. He It, it seemed like mentally he was scared to try anything. Um, and Agreed. I think that's sort of a result of last year's final here in Paris, where he had the match in his hands, basically, and he fumbled. Yeah. Um, he lost it and I think that was the first meeting he had with Djokovic since that match and you could tell the the mental scars were still there so right and one other one other thing to consider too is that he's never beaten Djokovic on clay so Djokovic is 5-0 mm. against him he's got two wins over Djokovic but none over the last two years and both mm. of those wins are on hard court you know so if he I think there's a serious mental block against Djokovic for sure yeah. and, and especially after that that final last time you know so I, I don't see him beating Djokovic. If if this is the year for him, it would have to be against, sad to say, Rafa. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, exactly. I, I think I think Alcaraz has his number as well, Sitsipas, <laughs> at least so far. You know, so best bet for Sitsipas, it would be re- facing a exhausted, falling down, half injured Nadal in the final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I think that's that's the best bet for him to actually win the title. Um but yeah, the, the bottom half of the draw, other than that, doesn't doesn't really inspire me other than Tsitsipas, just because Medvedev, you know, he, he's, he's come back from his hernia surgery. He lost to Gasquet in Geneva uh, in his first match, which was in the second round, technically. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see him going far at all. And if he does go far, I think looking at the draw, he will either be stopped by the likes of Kesmanovic, Pablo Karenia Busta, or Rublev coming around to it you know yeah yeah well uh i mean as you said you know not many storylines coming through the bottom half you know i i need to put my biased opinion here about uh sinner you know i think that if if there is another opportunity for a young gun to come through at a slam it's it's here and it's with him you know he's got a relatively easy don't like the word easy but he's got a relatively winnable um path to the quarterfinals Mm -hmm. at least you know and then who knows you know, so, I mean, potential for him here to reach the semis, maybe. Um, 
you know, clay is not his preferred surface, but he's been decent on it. So one thing I'm looking out for, you know, I'm a diehard sinner fan, you know, probably to a fault at times, but, you know, wouldn't be surprised, wouldn't be shocked to see him in the semis. Yeah, 100%. I think coming round to it, he can beat Rublev and he can beat Medvedev in Medvedev's current form. So no, and, and if you if you ever want to place if you ever want to face, well, let me re- re-say that if you ever want to face a number two seed at a slam, you want to face Medvedev at Roland Garros. Yeah, you know exactly. you, don't, you don't want anyone else. You know, so mm. you know thing potential breakout here for him. You know, um, I mean, maybe, maybe he'll start. You know, living up to to the hype just because you know when when he first burst onto the scene, I think he had not as much hype as Alcaraz has now, but definitely as much hype as Alcaraz had end of last year. Agreed. Yep. Yep. So and I he, think he, he, he's backed he might... it up a bit, you know, breaking into the top 10 and, and, you know, he's mm-hmm. fallen out since, you know, but mentally he's another one that I'm impressed with, you know, and he could also play a potential spoiler to sit surpass. You know, I don't know if he can beat him, you know, certainly not at this stage, maybe um, on clay and at this tournament, but he could push him, you know, and sit surpass looks to have it very easy until that potential match, you know, so maybe he could push him, wear him out a bit and, make things a bit easier for an exhausted (laughs) Rafa or Djokovic yeah no 100% I think that's that's you you put that you put that perfectly Andrew okay so so Liam just before we wrap up our our talk about the French Open what do you think about Zverev Um, I know personally that you're not the biggest fan you know but do we give him some love here I mean he's he's been one of the standout players on clay over the past few seasons there's no denying that you know but he's very famous for crumbling at the big stage you know, I, I certainly don't see him getting past uh, a Rafa or a, or a Novak at a Grand Slam, you know, but could he potentially spoil the Alcaraz fans' hopes and, and derail that train? You know, I mean, mentally, it's hard to count on him. We, we have question marks about Alcaraz's um, ability to, to get through this tournament mentally. But, you know, is there a potential upset? Of, well, can't call it an upset really since Varev is the number three seed but in current form it would be an upset but is there a potential way for Zverev to get through Alcaraz here or, or no chance in your opinion so now I'll be completely honest as you mentioned I'm not the biggest fan of Zverev on or off the court um I think you know from his actions off the courts he doesn't seem like the nicest guy um but on the court as well in in, in the recent months just mostly recent months he has been a bit you know, all over the place. But that doesn't stop him from being, you know, one of the greatest tennis players of the last five years. Um, so we have to look at it through the lens of his tennis ability. Um, I, I don't know. At, at, the, at the Grand Slam level, it's always hard with Zverev because he's never beaten a top 10 player at the Grand Slam. He, I, I think he's 0-10 or 0-0 more than 10, to be honest, probably. Um and looking at how they played against each other in Madrid a few weeks ago, even though Zverev, you know, gave the explanation of, you know, he played until 4am or didn't go to bed until 4am most, most nights. I think even if he was at his best during that match, he wouldn't have stood a chance against Alcaraz. Agreed. So I think, I think when it comes around to the actual quarterfinal potential with him and Alcaraz, I think he he doesn't he doesn't stand a chance in my opinion. Obviously, I got okay. I let me rephrase that. I don't say he doesn't stand a chance because you know you you can never know what happens on the day. If, if you had to put a percentage to it, what what do you rate his chances against Alcaraz? Maybe maybe thirty percent. Is that a say, bit too generous? I would say fifteen to twenty percent. 
Okay. I mean, I, I know he's always struggled mentally against the top guys in, in slams, you know, but does he consider Alcaraz a top guy? You know, does he, do you think he has that kind of mental block against Alcaraz now that he does against, you know, Rafa and Novak and even Sitsipas at this stage? You know, does he consider Alcaraz the real deal in, in that category? You know, because while, like we've seen him before, you know, he, he normally crushes these weaker guys and then crumbles against the top guys and when he has to play a higher seed than him. You know, but, you know, will he mentally think that he's the better player against Alcaraz and will he go into that match confident? Yeah, I think I think he does see Alcaraz as like one of these big guys now because... I mean, he did say that he was the best player in the world at the moment. So, yeah, exactly. Certainly but some you, respect there. You have to go back to the Acapulco meeting, you know, a year ago. He said that guy's going to be top 10 by end of 2023. Um, yeah. And, and he's top six in the world, nearly top five. Um just a year later so i think i think it's just going to be hard for him to be able to beat someone like alcaraz who doesn't seem to be scared of the big moment the only time he might seem scared but we haven't seen it yet is going to be against the nadal Djokovic. i don't see him being scared against anyone outside of that sorry to to butt in there liam but i was just about to say that we've never seen him really at this stage in a grand slam before under this kind of pressure but i was forgetting Mm -hmm. the sitsipas match at the u.s open you know when he he came through and kind of stunned everybody by getting that win you know so he he definitely is not afraid of the big stage you know we've seen it this year time and time again but i forgot about that meeting at a grand slam when he yeah. was a serious underdog like alcaraz then was not the alcaraz that we know right now still a, still a top talent but you know if that's any indication then i agree with you you know he he probably sees various i don't like to say the word nothing you know but not an obstacle in his path to the semi-finals yeah i think i think he, he respects Varev as a player you know you, you can't not respect the number three in the world as a tennis player Agreed. Um, i i just think that when it comes to mental game he will know that Zverev's never beaten a top 10 player at a grand slam he will know that he beat Zverev just a couple of weeks ago he will know that he beat nadal and djokovic back to back for the first time ever on clay you know he knows what he's done he knows what he can achieve so I think there's no sort of pressure on him mentally to prove, you know, you know, when you get these young players like Titipas, he, he said recently that the reason why 2019 slash 2020 was so good for him was because he was free mentally. You know, he didn't have that expectation. He didn't have that pressure in his head. He was just swinging for the fences. I think Alcaraz is in that place at the moment. He, he knows what he's, he's able to do. But he also knows it's not the end of the world if he loses, so it allows him to play freely. Yeah, and one, young. yeah, and one thing I just want to mention is that I I agree with that, you know. So I'm not so worried about Alcaraz losing to Zverev, you know. But you know, is there any potential of him slipping up and losing a little bit earlier, you know? Because you remember after he won the Miami Open, he lost in the first round in Monte Carlo to Corda, which was pretty surprising, mm-hmm. you know. So so do you think going back to that match, do you think that was a a mental issue, a, a coming from hard to clay issue, you know, maybe a physical issue, you know, because it, it is surprising. Cord is a fantastic player, but you wouldn't expect him to beat Alcaraz on clay, you know. Yeah, so is I, is there any any chance of that happening here? No, I, I don't. I, think I, don't so. I don't. I don't put it as much either. Yeah, I think I think that match against Corda. I, I remember watching that match from start to finish. I think Alcaraz was very unlucky not to win that match. 
he had so many chances in that match, um, but many factors, you know, such as the wind came into play on like some important points where he wasn't able to actually take advantage of them because of outstanding factors. Um, So I think it wouldn't happen again. And I think now that he's shown on clay that he can win a Masters 1000 as well, it's a different story. Well, we'll know in a couple of days because if the draw holds up true to form, that is a potential third round matcher. You know, Corda is pretty near in the draw to Alcaraz. Alcaraz has got a qualifier up first and then the winner of um, Kokonakis and Ramos Vinolas. Very true. Both, both very winner, winnable matches, you know. Um, Corda has Milman and then... Harris form- Yeah, and Gasquet is, has shown some form lately, you know, but I don't know if he's going to be able to come through three sets against Corda, you know. So we'll, we'll know the answer to that question very soon. Yeah, Akaraz would be hungry for revenge, I would imagine. Hundred percent. He he he's gonna he's gonna go for everything in that match. Absolutely. Andrew, last point on on Roland Garros. I think not 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 a biggie. It's more of like a two minute conversation, more like. Um, but Nadal is set to meet Vavrinka in the second round potentially. What do you what do you think of that? What do you make of that match? Are you sure this is 2022 or is this 2015 that they're meeting in the, the, the second <laughs> round? <you know? laughs> I mean, uh, one thing is for sure is that I'll be tuning in, you know, I'm a big Stan fan and, and Nadal, you know, a lot of good memories of, of their battles, you know, but if Nadal is even relatively near to 100% fitness, I see this being a, a walk in the park, you know, and there's no guarantee that Stan is going to get through his first round. He's got a difficult um, first round match against Mute. Who is who is a bit of of a head case as well, for lack of a better word. <laughs> you know, he's he's. I've seen him play some fantastic tennis, and also seen him play some horrible tennis. So uh, Stan should still come through it, but I don't see him having anything left in the tank for Nadal, even yeah. a tired and injured Nadal. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's it's more of a nostalgic match rather than an actual sort of competitive match. Yeah, but I'll I'll be there just to see that backhand one more time. <laughs> maybe maybe for the last time at, at Roland Garros you never know so soaking it in while we still can for sure very true very true but yeah guys so that's basically the end of our discussion about Roland Garros but we got some questions in on the Instagram um thank you to everyone who sent in the questions it was greatly appreciated um so me and Andrew decided to you know let's go through them let's answer some of your questions let's see what you guys are actually interested in so first and uh first question is when is Alcaraz set to be the world number one? Uh, I can take this one. Um, the answer, obviously, is who knows. You know, if you asked me that last year, I, I would have said maybe five years from now, four or five years when Nadal and Djokovic are almost fully out of the picture and he can really step up. You know, um, I think he separated himself, at least trajectory-wise, from Zverev and Tsitsipas. You know, um, I think I'd put it on, on two years from now, you know, even though he's red hot at the moment and seems unstoppable, you know, it's no easy feat to continue this for six months or a year or even two years as the, the big three or big two now have shown us, you know, so while he's fantastic and I do think he's the best player in the world at the moment, he has potential to play the best tennis that anyone else is capable of at the moment. I, it's not, not as easy as it sounds to do that. We, and don't forget, we've only seen it for a couple of months, right? You know, four or five, six months ago, he was just another huge promising talent, you know, but fast forward two months later, he's got two Masters titles and <laughs> seems unstoppable. So I, I think I'd put it at about two years. Yeah, I, I, I'd say I, I agree with you just because it's so hard to be world number one. You have to not only perform week in, week out at, you know, 500s or 1,000 tournaments, but you really need the Grand Slams. 
and we don't know yet where he is at, at the Grand Slam level. You know, and you need to stay healthy as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I would say by by Wimbledon two thousand twenty four, he should be world number one. Yeah, and I mean another plug again. I mean, don't forget, Sinner might have something to say about that. You know, <laughs> he's clear, <laughs> he, he's clearly he's clearly number two in the in the promising youngster race. I'll give you that. You know, but yeah, he that, has that, that. He has the game. He has the maturity. You know, he's just winning on that big breakthrough. Yeah, you know, for, so for, I, 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 that's a, that's a really a pipe dream at the moment, but <laughs> you know, he's the only one that I think is capable or shown he's capable of stopping him, you know, and these, these next gen guys, while I, I love them, you know, I love to see them play and I have a lot of respect for them. None of them have really stepped up to the plate and truly announced that they're here and they're here to win big titles, you know, like Alcaraz has, you know, yeah, he that, seems that, dominant. That was, that was one of our other questions, actually, who's other than Carlos or Carlitos, who's the next big thing in tennis? And you said Sinner. I completely agree with you. And the funny thing is in, in our sort of discussions that we have day to day, Andrew and I, and the rest of the tennis section team, we always like, everyone has their favorite player. I'm a big Alcaraz future guy, you know, Andrew is the biggest Sinner guy out there. You can't get him to stop talking about Yannick Sinner. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. You, you would have thought he coached the guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That is uh, true. That is true. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Sinner, Sinner is taking this, I think, in, in two ways. I think he's taking the fact that Carlos is taking the lead in terms of the next gen in both a good way and a motivating way. In a good way, because it takes pressure off of him. I think when it was just him, uh, you get that, that sense of pressure where you're like, oh, I'm not living up to expectations. Um, even though he did make it to the top 10, and, you know, he, he, he's never really had the same success as Alcaraz has outside of the two masters that Alcaraz had, you know, yeah. um, at the slams and stuff like that. Um, but he's also taken it in a way of like, you know what, I, I, I'm seeing what Alcaraz is doing, but I, I can do that as well. Um, he's yeah. been close. He, he reached the final of Miami last year. He could have beaten Herkax if it was a better day for him playing wise. Um, so we could have been talking about him as a Masters 1000 champion going into a Grand Slam. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure... Give it, give it a year and there'll be a totally different discussion around Sinner as well. Agreed. And I mean, you still have to give some love to, to Sitsipas and those guys, you know, but you have to wonder, like, is their time ever going to come? Like, I'm sure they're going to win a couple of slams eventually, you know, when Djokovic is slowing down and so on. But I mean, they've been knocking on the door, the same door that Alcaraz is currently about to step through. They've been knocking on that door for years and years and years, you know, and they've never once yeah. won a slam, you know? So yeah, it's sort of the lost it, generation. Exactly. And, and one thing, I mean, not to go back to Alcaraz again, you know, but you can, you can just see it. He has that kind of killer instinct and not, I mean, he, he respects those guys a lot, like the Nadals and the Djokovic and, and those guys, you know, but I think he just sees them as his equals, you know, like when Sitsipas and Zverev and those guys speak about them, they, they seem kind of in awe of them and, and, you know, like wide eyed and they were my hero and, you know, and, but Alcaraz just seems to be, being polite to me you know like I think he truly <laughs> believes that he is that level and more and he can he's not cocky whatsoever you yeah. know but I and and obviously what do I know right I just watch on tv like you guys but he has that killer instinct in the few months that we've seen him at the top that Zverev and Sitspas have never shown at this stage they've won all, all sorts of masters titles but never once have we seen those guys even remotely close to beating one of the big guys at a at a major you know and, and fully breaking out yeah, completely agree with you, Andrew. I think 
it's sort of the lost generation of tennis if they let it go on too long. Sort of as we saw with Dimitrov, as we saw, you know, even though Del Potro was similar age to the big three, you know, he, he was in a tough he was in a tough spot because, you know, he was great. And if they weren't around, he would have won so many Grand Slams, but he, you know, he just couldn't because of them. Um, and I think the longer you wait, the longer it takes you to get there, the harder it gets. Um, yeah. And one one guy, before we move on, sorry, Liam, mm-hmm. um, one guy I also want to mention is Felix Auger-Alessim. You know, I mean, he's he's known as this big choker and, you know, and so many question marks around him and rightfully so, but easy to forget that he's only 21 years old, you know, and he's, he's displayed the game time and time again. He's got a huge game, huge weapons, you know, and, you know, again, mentally falls short sometimes, you know, but if he ever gets it together, you know, he's a potential guy in the next couple of years to be knocking on that at that grand slam door i'd yeah i'd actually put his chances higher than maybe a zverev <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, tough, too, I, tough tough to say but i mean he's got he's got another 10 years in his prime you know yeah pro- approaching his prime you know it's, he's been around for so long you'd think he's 30 you know but he he burst onto the scene at 14 15 and yeah as a veteran at 21 yeah I, f- I think yeah it's sort of the mental he needs to get over that mental block and once he does i think he'll be and, and who knows Alcaraz? Who knows Alcaraz may be inspiring him too. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Alcaraz is inspiring everyone at the moment. I think. Um, yeah. But m- moving on, I think we we have a, like three more questions. I'd say, but one of the most interesting ones is why do like the same countries such as Spain continuously have the best players out there? You know, why why do we always see the best players coming out of the same countries? You know, we have Spain, you have the United Kingdom. You know, France has a great tennis sort of history what why do you think andrew uh the history is important you know um obviously um you have to look at things like the coaching and the level of coaching and coaches in those countries you know and typically the bigger nations like spain usa you know russia those are the countries that you see dominating australia you know they've got more funding to put into it than anything else and I mean, I, th- I think money is a primary factor, to be honest. A lot of these smaller mm-hmm. countries don't have the finances and the resources to, to kind of pump those millions of dollars into sports in general and tennis. You know, so I don't think it's any coincidence why those countries continue to produce champions. You know, like when, when have we ever seen a, a Grand Slam champion or, or potential Grand Slam champion from one of the quote unquote third world countries or, or you know, smaller countries? You know, so funding, history, you know, they've got the support from the government, not only financially, but, you know, they back them. They, they have all these tournaments available for them. You know, I, yeah. can, I can give reference to our, uh, so I'm from Barbados, which is a very small nation. And we've had one player in and around the top 100, close to the top 100, actually. Um, his highest ranking was 104. And he has to fly constantly year round, spending thousands and thousands of dollars to be able to compete. You know, um, whereas a guy from Spain or a guy from USA can step out his backyard almost and and have four or five tournaments back to back. Yeah. You know, so it is tough. I mean, it's it's not the only reason, but like like any sport, you know, the the wealthy nations are the ones that produce the champions. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you with that. I think the fact that, as you said, like especially in Europe, you have so many tournaments everywhere, even though they're not big, you know, but they're they're you know, you have all these ITF tournaments, you have all of these sort of you know, in, in the UK, you you have so many tournaments for people trying to become professionals, whereas perhaps Barbados, you don't have that infrastructure in place, first of all, through the ITF. And secondly, if they want to try and become professionals, you need that capital to fly around the world, like you said. And it becomes mm-hmm. extremely expensive, becomes extremely 
extremely draining on you mentally, I would imagine, because you're every time you're flying out and you're paying money for staying hotels, paying for your stringer, paying for your coach, you're always thinking like, I really need to do well in these tournaments to be able to afford this. Um, and that puts a bit more pressure on you mentally, even in those matches where you might not be thinking clearly during the match. Agreed. And one thing I forgot to mention is the emphasis on the junior programs as well. You know, I mean, I know Spain and the USA have always had fantastic junior programs and countries like Canada and, and Great Britain are pretty good examples. You know, um, I know firsthand um, over the last few years, they've totally revamped their focus on the juniors and restructuring everything, hiring the best coaches in the world to come and work for the LTA and, and Tennis Canada and so on. And, and it's showing, you know, you're seeing the Raducanus pop up. You know, if you look at the junior rankings, a whole bunch of them are Canadian, French, Canadian, British that we've never seen before, you know, um, Andrescu a few years ago. So that has a lot of it, a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough sport to break into if you're in the, in the wrong country, which is unfortunate because I'm sure there have been amazing talents and amazing players that could have been, you know, top 10 and, you know, changed the, the tennis the world. Field. Agreed. And the few guys that do break through from the smaller or smaller tennis nations, like a Sitsipas, you know, like he went somewhere else to develop, you yeah, know, he, he um, was, Kas he was, Kasper he was, Rude, a, you know, yeah. Casper Ruud was, you know, he, he was, he was mostly in Spain. Rublev was mostly yeah. in Spain. I mean, even, even Andy Murray, right. I mean, years ago, the LTA was not what the LTA is now, you know, so yeah. Andy Murray kind of developed not, not, not fully, you know, but he developed a lot in Spain. Yeah, exactly. I you think, know, so. I think those, if you find a talent in those countries, usually they usually go out to another country to sort of get themselves where they want to go. Um, I would say last two questions. Who do you think is the most controversial ATP player at the moment? That's a tough one. I mean, there's so many. I'm curious <laughs> is the obvious answer. You know, there's Pear. <laughs> you know, Zverev is putting his hand up to be considered in that with all those off-court issues. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of them, man. There are a lot of them, but <laughs> hard to pick one. But yeah, uh, you got to go with all faithful curious there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a, a couple years ago it would have been a hundred percent curious. You know, I think it was two thousand eighteen or nineteen where he got that um, suspension. You know, like the um, not really a suspension, suspension. Um, I think he was he, he he's improved recently, but on his off days he can be extremely off and he, and doing crazy things on court personally i would say the most controversial player at the moment is Zverev, just because you know the off-court allegations and we have to say there are allegations because until they're proven we can't accuse him of anything you know you can't say Agreed. what Agreed. he's done but if they are proven to be true how does the tennis world go about it yeah how exactly. how, how does the atp tour take a stance on it do they slap him with a ban um do they fine him do they give him a suspension like it's it's very hard because i don't think they've had to deal with that or at least at the level of a top three player in the world so i think there's more to come on this fair story and i think it's it's controversial at the moment in my eyes and i and, and it can go either way it can go i, I think it can go I, I think it can go two ways it can go good for him if he's proven not guilty um you know, but it could also go really bad for him if more evidence comes out and, you know, it actually goes to court or anything, anything like that. So it's, it's a tough one, but I, I'd say, yeah, Kyrgios and Zverev, top yeah. two, Ag most controversial at the moment. Agreed. And one thing we're also forgetting is the, I mean, we don't have enough time to speak about this today. That's probably a whole different episode, 
but the Wimbledon ban on the Russian and Ukrainian players. You know, Medvedev has always been a very controversial player, and now this whole incident and issue with Wimbledon is is even, you know, expounding that. So he he has to be up there as well. And I'm I for one am very interested to see what Wimbledon is going to do. You know, because I don't see how the ATP can allow it. You know, and I also don't see how you can make Wimbledon change their mind. Yeah. So it's it's very difficult, you know, and it's unfair, difficult. I mean, I'm not going to give my position on the the war or anything, but you know, I I don't see how you could ban players from playing. You're entitled to, but how then do you allow that tournament to carry points? Yeah, that's exactly. what it, that's what I think is the most unfair thing, you know, because. Yeah, well, I, 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 especially for a guy like Medvedev, right? I mean, not that he was a, a major favorite for Wimbledon, but, you know, he's number two in the world. You know, he'd want to maintain that, you know, so getting zero points in a Grand Slam effectively kills all hopes of that happening end of year, you know? So maybe not, but I, I don't know. But something needs to be done, I think. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think in an ideal world, none of this stuff outside of the court, you know, the war or anything like that would be happening. Um, and But I think one thing that can't happen you can't you can't ban individual players just based on their nationality um agreed they they especially when we've seen you know the likes of rublev the likes of medvedev saying they they are against what's going on they don't they're not for it they're not state propaganda individuals but that's that's a whole other episode and i'm sure we'll discuss that further when it comes time to wimbledon but um i think a good way would be removing the point system for wimbledon this year um yeah, or has, or likewise discussion. Yeah, or likewise doing what the Olympics did. You know, like the Russians have have had some issues with doping and so on over the past few years. So they are not allowed to compete under their flag. Yeah, you know, which is what compete which is as individuals on the ATP tour. At the yeah, moment, I, you know? exactly. So why why is that different? You know, I, I won't pretend to be an expert on on what's going on in the ATP or or with the war or anything. You know, but why is Wimbledon taking a different stance? Yeah, exactly. You know? I think it's it's hard it's hard to to see the justification for banning them, but we'll get. Agreed. I'm sure we'll get to that in the next month or so when we when we get closer and closer to to Wimbledon. Um, yep. Last question, I'd say, Andrew. Um, what is going to be the top ten in five years in your mind? <sighs> top ten? I don't know. Um, try try and no. give us a few names, maybe that you think will be in that top ten. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you my top five. Okay. Um, center one. Uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think. I think. Pretty safe to say that Alcaraz will be number one. Um, yep. Nothing is. Nothing is really safe to say, but you know, he's the only one really displaying that. Um, center, I think, will be two. Um, then I think we'll still see. You know, the sit surpasses. Uh, maybe um, Zverev, if he can get his. I mean, even if he doesn't get his his mental game right, you know, I still think he'll he'll be hanging around the top five for a very long time. You know, he's. He's gonna bully the people at the smaller events and mm, <laughs> and, yeah. and and maybe one or two masters and continue to fold at slams maybe. But I mean, he's young enough to have, um, I'd say an, at least another five seven years there. I'm I'm hoping for Felix. You know, I'm I'm hoping for a Felix Alcaraz Sinner one two three, in in some order. You know, I I don't see too many of the other younger guys stepping up yet. So. Mm-hmm. And who knows? I mean, Djokovic may still be there. <laughs> I don't. I don't see Rafa. Rafa and Roger, I think, will be long gone. But oh, Ro- Ro- Roger won't be there. I don't think. Yeah, Roger. Yeah. I think Roger has maybe one, two years left. 
Yeah, That's agreed. It. I I I don't put anything past Djokovic, you know. So he still could be there. And and Medvedev, how old is Medvedev? Maybe twenty-five or so. Twenty-five. Oh yeah. Well, I think oh, Medvedev potentially could be number one. You know, and yeah. it's you know it's it's hard to bet against Alcaraz, but you know Medvedev theoretically would be coming into his prime or still in his prime at at twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, completely, so. I, I agree. I think uh, if, if we're going top five, because I think, yeah, top 10 is kind of hard to decide. Um, But a top five, I'd say one or two is going to be Alcaraz and Medvedev. You can put them whichever order because, you know, it, they're, they're going to be so close, I think, you know. um, Then I would say Tsitsipas is going to be in there. Sinner is going to be in there. Kasparud. Kasparud, still be around. Um, yeah, I'm not, the, too sure. the, I'm not too sure about Kasparud being a top five player. Um, maybe but know, I think yeah it, it, it depends I think if you if if Zverev isn't doing too well or you know like you said Felix isn't doing too well at that time he can definitely get in there in that conversation yeah and um, what about some of the what are your thoughts on some of the young guns that some of the ones that have been performing lately like bias of the Argentinian guy you know there's Nakashima there's Korda um, and in I particular Hal Garun who's been fantastic lately um, yeah yeah true I think I think when we, when we look when we look at this that that sort of list, I think Baez is is sort of I look at him like a Diego Schwartzman type of player. Definitely, Agreed. definitely can be a top ten player one day if he maybe not top five. To, yeah, yeah, maybe not top. But if, it, it, top ten is depending on if he manages to be consistent week in week out. But at the end yeah. of the day, the serve is always going to let him down. Um, Agreed. The ability of not getting three points is always going to let him down. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't necessarily see him as having top five upside. You know, I, yeah. I agree. Like same as Schwartzman. You know, he's he's almost certainly never going to be in the top five. Yeah, know, but Schwar- a very Schwarzman very got, solid top, got in 10, the top top eight. He got in the top yeah. eight. I remember two years ago. But you know, top five is a different story. Um, Agreed. Then we go to quarter. I think quarter is is a top twenty player. Um, I don't see him top ten. Unfortunately, I think he doesn't have that. I mean, that mental toughness just yet, maybe in five years' time. But if I have to go for anyone in that list that you mentioned, I'd say Holger Rune is definitely a top ten player in the future. Um, we've we've seen over the last year he's gone from eight hundredth in the world or something, or in, in the last two years, um, yes, yes, to now like top forty. It's it's you know it's it's a rise not many speak about, and I think he's he set himself ambitious goals. So I I, I would say top ten minimum for him. And if you look at his game too, he's got an all-court game, you know, so he could yeah. maybe not, maybe not grass or he hasn't displayed that yet, you know, but he can win titles on hard court and clay, you know, something that the guys like Baez have not, and Nakashima even, you know, because question yeah, marks about his hardcore, yeah. hardcore exactly, you know. Uh, Liam, I fully agree with you on Holgerun. I slightly disagree with you on Korda though, you know, I, I do think that he's been impressive in a short time on tour you know he's still only 21 years old and he's shown that he has the big game that can compete on all surfaces you know he's not just a hard court player we've seen so many clay court guys that struggle to play on the harder surfaces and the quicker surfaces because of their size and because of their game style you know but he's proven that he can compete on both surfaces his dad is a former grand slam champion um his sister he comes from a fantastic sporting family you know his sister is a, the world number one in golf you know i think his mom if i'm not mistaken was a top 30 wta player years ago you know so he's got a good team in his in his corner you know he's american so he's got access to all those the facilities and the resources that comes along with that you know so i do think that it's not a sure thing but i do think he's going to be one of those guys very shortly to be knocking on the top 10 top 20 door 
But yeah, no, that that, that that was, you know, great insight, Andrew. And, you know, I, I really, I really appreciate all the questions from the fans of Tennis Section. Um, I just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for listening to our first episode of the podcast. Um, if you did enjoy it, please, you know, subscribe to the podcast, uh, like the video if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, if you're on Spotify, just, you know, turn notifications on, try and keep up with, you know, we'll, we'll try and do a weekly podcast for you guys where we go through, you know, the latest stuff in tennis, the tournaments that are upcoming, who we think is going to do what. And yeah, we, we have amazing uh, social media channels where we post daily tennis memes, videos, and we just try and get your opinion on stuff. So please follow us on Instagram if you don't already. We have a TikTok account. We have a YouTube channel you can subscribe to where we make interesting tennis videos. And make sure to check out our website where we have expert writers writing tennis predictions for every match and every tournament. I would say every match, but the big, the big matches, the interesting matches. Um, but yeah, anything on your side, Andrew? Uh, no, I um, agree with everything you said, Liam. And guys, please don't forget to stay in contact with us. You know, So if you have a topic that you'd like discussed or a question you'd like answered, please send us a message, drop us a DM, write in the comments, whatever it is. Um, we're also going to try to have some guest hosts for you or, or guest speakers for you on the podcast as well. So if there's anyone you'd like to see, you can let us know. We'll, we'll try our best. You know, we, we may not be able to pull Alcaraz quite yet, but with, with your support, hopefully in a couple of months, maybe a year, we can, we can get guys at that, at that caliber. So thanks for being here. Um, thanks for supporting us and, and being part of the tennis section family and hope to talk to you guys again soon. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you everyone. And hope to hear back from you on, on Instagram through the DMS and yeah. Thank you guys. All right. Bye guys. Take care.